This is Ed McMahon, and now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Oh, that's right, we're switching music, so um, this is a possibility. Jack, the spotlights crisscrossing the sky can mean only one thing. It's time for another Armstrong and Getty show this from is fairly, the Kodak Theater in Los Angeles. This is fairly festive. You mean celebratory or gay? <laughs> Live from Studio C. Si, senor. A dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. And today, everybody, on a Monday, brand new week, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. The Swamp! The Swamp swamped more swampily than it's swamped in quite some time for the weekend. Got your Ronnie Jackson fiasco, your White House correspondence fiasco, muck. Party dumpster fire. Also pleased with themselves. What is this music uh, for? Where'd it come from? What's its title or whatever? You know, it's awards night music. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> it's very, um, well, it's definitely non-threatening. Ah, it's showbiz, Jack. It is showbiz. It is so <laughs> red carpet. Does it have an ending, though? Yeah, it does. About 25 seconds. Okay. Something to look forward to. Might be, a, <laughs> might be a little longer than it needs to okay. be. Okay, that, but, that can be but I want to hear the ending. The ending is important. Yeah. It's got to have a big wrap-up ending, right? I'll bet, bet it, it does. Show. I'll bet it does. Or does it just peter out? We'll it's see. only about ten 12 seconds, seconds with 10. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Going by so quickly. Here we go. Let's check out the ending. And the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, now. That's, yeah. that's sad. Well... <laughs> It's not terrible. I see myself as the MC of a kids pageant at the mall. That's what I see. Oh, oh boy. I hear that music. Which I believe we've done. Which I have done. A long time ago. Uh, let's introduce everybody in the squad. We'll start there with our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, pretty good. I'm still going through different themes. Um, what about Sanford and Son? Best we can try that? I thought that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> Love boat? Yeah, you got to do something. Sure. You got to do something. <laughs> um, there's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. Uh, it seems many people took my advice to go see Avengers Infinity War, a small kind of independent film. I'm not sure a lot of people uh, <laughs> knew about it. I'm glad people listened to the show that I have some sort of impact because looking at the box office results, looks like it uh, $250 million for the domestic opening weekend, wow. uh, making it best yeah. the most recent Star Wars adventure for top spot. Really? Yeah, well, I'm seeing ads for it everywhere. I wish my, wish my kids. Well, I don't wish my kids were older. I like them being little. I wish they'd stay little. But um, uh, if they were older, I would definitely go to see that. It looks like this sort of thing. I can't wait. I look forward to when they're old enough when we do that together. It's like a guys out. Oh, there's this one part punching movie. These aliens come out and then Captain America just punches them right in the face. Oh, it was yes. great. 
Were they illegal aliens in a caravan to the border? No, this was actually space aliens. Oh. So hmm. space right. as opposed to Guatemala. Yes. Okay. There's Marshall Phillips who does our news every day. Ari Marshall. I am feeling like a real man this morning because over the weekend I managed to conquer my fear and quadruple bag the dead squirrel that turned up in my garage. I kept adding more layers of bags because I thought I could still smell it. Yeah. yeah. So it's quadruple bagged. It's in the trash can. I did it. Compared to your fears of putting a decayed, well, a completely mummified squirrel in a bag, huh? Well, I had I had to get gloves. I had to get a mask. You know, I uh, <laughs> I made sure that you know I was not going to get the hantavirus. There yeah, you go. Sensible so, precautions. Yes, indeed. Decomposing beasts are not yes. a, not a treat. No, Gross. not at all. Icky. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I wish I hadn't thought of that. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Monday, April thirtieth. Year 2018, we're setting you straight in 21.8. Man, I'm looking at that caravan showing up at the border. Yeah. There's a lot of people at the border. Yep. Yeah, just talking about rotting beasts. It's got my yogurt right at my Adam's apple. It's trying to come back out again. That's gross. It's an instinctive reaction. Man, you brought, I'm sorry I, I, I changed the you. subject, and you brought it back up again. Yeah, so. it's, it's, I can't let it go. I, I could attempt to change the subject again, but then are you going to bring up the rotting beast again? Depends. Okay. We'll have to see how I feel about it. But so the migrants are actually at the yes. border, San Diego area, and then we got to decide what we're going to do. Are they going to let them in, or are they not going to let them in, or what's going to happen? Jack, we're a nation of migrants. Oh, that's or right. Or immigrants, or emigrants. We're a nation of What? Let's begin the show officially now, according to FCC rules and regs at Mark. I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like, she burns facts, and then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye. Like, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's lies. It's probably lies. What? Ugh. I had read it. I hadn't heard it. Oh. That's supposedly the uh, the worst thing that that woman said at the correspondence dinner really again. Inexcusable. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll talk about that later, I guess. What are other headlines, Marsha Phillips? Well, we do indeed have a border standoff going on. Trump takes aim at Democrats' border security in the wall at his big rally, and boy, the jokes fall flat at the White House correspondence dinner. We'll have some of the lows. If there's ever been an example of something that jumped the shark that needs to just go away, yes. that it's now over, that, that thing is it. Yeah. Well, and if it's jumped the shark within the beltway, which a lot of swamp monsters are saying it has, for those of us who have real lives, I mean, it is just so over. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. This, you know, this caravan song makes the whole thing sound kind of fun. Really? Is Van Morrison on the caravan? Yeah, I'll Singing and wearing a funny hat. I don't see what all the hubbub is about. You hear this song? It sounds kind of fun. Uh, how does mailbag look? Oh, it's very good. We have our weekly shower thoughts to stimulate your thoughts. Fair amount of information came out over the weekend of the uh, scumbag killer that they caught last week and how they caught him and what he was up to and all that sort of stuff that's pretty dang interesting. Yeah, we're going to talk to an investigator who knows all about that. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So murderous scumbag once in the midst of uh, one of his heinous acts screamed out the name of his ex-fiance. Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk about that. And he used to and go. That he hates her. And he used to go into the other room and cry sometimes. Wow. During his attacks. How wow. freaking twisted is that dude? Yikes. 
Yeah, yikes. Oof. You know, uh, somebody was arguing or some expert was positing or somebody said something Friday about how it's not a compulsion. Various yeah. psychologists say, yeah. that sounds like a b- compulsive behavior to me. You know, mm. shame, self-hatred. But then you go back and you do it again and again. Sounds a little compulsive to me, but what do I know? What do I, I'm a, just a humble talk show host. Mm. Mm. Mailbag. Woohoo. Let's start with the weekly shower thoughts, then get to the freedom-loving quote of the day. Amazon is just Walmart, but with the worker's misery hidden from view. Wow. I don't know that everybody's miserable there, but... One thing that Amazon does have different than Walmart is you can come up with a groovy logo and packaging and everything like they have. So it has kind of... um, it has sort of the, the, the sheen of cool, modern hip, but it could be the same crowd that shops at Walmart. Sure. It's mostly Amazon shoppers. Oh, yeah. But you wouldn't you would never get that, because part of the whole Amazon, uh, Walmart knock is the is the crowd you hang out with if you go to Walmart. Right. Yeah. Well, and for all you know, the workers in those big, giant factories that, uh, you know, packing centers, distribution centers that Amazon runs, there might be, you know, uh, knife fights and rapine and wow. you know wild animals running around. You oh, just don't not. know. It's all hidden. Or not. It's hidden behind their, their shiny facade. For every girl who wonders if a guy is staring at her, there's a guy who just accidentally made eye contact and yeah. is now afraid she thinks he was staring at right. her. Right, right, right. Happens right. all the time. Yeah. God, and then when that second eye contact happens, Dirt. she figures that's enough data. He's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I'm, just, I'm bored. I'm looking around. Pets are the one percenters of animals. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. Like that, yeah, a lot of truth to that one. Oh, my God, he's got a bug on him. He's got a bug on him. We need to get a medical treatment. You know, wild animals are running around with bugs all over the place. Mm. Then they die, and Marshall scoops them up. Ah, I brought it back again. (laughs) Dogs can be your best friends, but a cat will never tell the cops where the drugs are. So true. Dogs have turned. (laughs) And speaking of animals, one final note. It's really, really weird that we drink other animals' milk and act like it's normal while drinking our own species' milk is considered disgusting unless you're an infant. Nothing could be more reasonable than drinking your own species' milk. I know. As we've discussed before, I find that incredibly gross. Why? I don't know. You need to look deeply into your own feelings. I'm thinking there's probably something anthropological going on there. I wonder if there is. I wonder... Because there's no explaining it. I have the same reaction. But why? doesn't make any sense. Maybe so adults aren't running around, you know, sucking, uh, lactating women dry, and the kids are like, hey, I'm hungry over here. It's the only thing I can eat, you greedy pigs. That may be it. Mm. It's to preserve the milk for the youngsters. You. I've solved it. My wife's been doing a lot of reading. I don't know. What was she reading? And uh, she she says it's pushing her down the road of she doesn't think she's going to be able to eat meat anymore. Wow! Uh oh, you gotta get hide that book. <laughs> Just grab it and throw it in the trash. Uh, the way they the way they they way they execute pigs particularly bothered them bothered <sighs> her. The way they slaughter hogs after a trial, right? And <laughs> and all the appropriate appeals. 
<laughs> wow. Jury of its peers. Wow. Uh, here's our freedom-loving quote of the day uh, from H.L. Uh, Mencken, my uh, literary-slash-journalistic hero. And this is, um, is going to be tough for some of you to take, but it's indisputable. The fact is that the average man's love of liberty is nine-tenths imaginary. Exactly like his love of sense, justice, and truth. He is not actually happy when free. He is uncomfortable, a bit alarmed, and intolerably lonely. Liberty is not a thing for the great masses of men. It is the exclusive possession of a small and disreputable minority, like knowledge, courage, and honor. It takes a special sort of man to understand and enjoy liberty, and he is usually an outlaw in democratic societies. Well, if that is true, then the whole self-governance won't work, right? Uh, eventually, yeah. Yeah. It's, if that is just human nature. These things have a lifespan. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, without getting too far off on this tangent, the United States Constitution was so well designed, it's lasted for, you know, it's going on 250 years. But uh, those who would mess with it are getting better at their jobs, I think. On the topic of Kim Jong-un's toilet, Mm. Boy, we received a lot of correspondence on this topic. He brought his own toilet with him because he's afraid of people uh, digging through his uh, leavings, yeah. coming up with information he doesn't want them to have. Two things. Number one, uh, these, this crop of emails, and I've selected Noah's. On Friday, you and and then I'll get to the other thing I've realized on this topic. On Friday, you and Jack discussed a report that Fathead brought his own toilet with him when he visited the DMZ and stepped across and planted a tree or whatever. I have more on the tree. And you talked about how paranoid nuts that is. You're not wrong, but the POTUS has been doing that for a long time. And I don't mean Trump. Rather, the last several presidents had their own porta potty that went everywhere with them on trips for the purpose of their leavings. Well, they're crap. It's crap. It's crap. Uh, not being able to be grabbed and studied by someone who'd be interested in that for various reasons. And so, all right, so it's pretty common among world leaders. Then I happen to why? Why with the why with our president? What would you possibly get out of it? I'm not. Sure, with our president, but it is true that that's been a practice for a long time. Now, I dove back into, uh, what's the, I get the video Do series. Do they archive conf- it? Is there a special building in There's, Washington, D.C. where the, I can go see right. Gerald Ford's droppings? There's a Smithsonian <laughs> Institution uh, Museum. It's very small. It's uh, underground. Uh, but So I, I dove back into uh, Rules for Rulers. Well, that's the video series. Oh, The Dictator's Handbook is the name of the book. Um and they mentioned that in a dictatorial society, one of the most dangerous things that can happen is for people, whether the, the powerful kind of the power structure or even the common people, to find out that the dictator is unhealthy, particularly dangerously unhealthy, because their ability to deliver uh, good services, bribes, etc., to the power elite, obviously, then has an end date on it. And so the power elite will start looking around immediately for somebody else to ensure okay, the flow of the sense. goodies. Oh, yeah, for the American president, uh, it's a little tougher to nail down, but I guess it's a thing, hmm. as they say. It's crap. It's crap? It's crap. Yeah, there's... Uh, if you uh, get the guided tour <laughs> at the Smithsonian Pooh Museum, Presidential Pooh Museum. Uh, greetings, HR and SJ. Um... HR, which one of those of my many nicknames? HR. Uh, it's not Rocket. No. Hi, Road. 
High Road. Oh, High Road. Old High, high Road, they call it. Whatever happened to the High Road? High Road and Simple Jack. It's my catchphrase, yeah. Uh, first of all, a humble brag from Mark, who was in Uganda for a few weeks. Hmm? So he's a bit behind on the show. Uh, Kampala, Uganda, for those keeping track. But he thinks uh, we missed a top 10 candidate band name, and Sean would have caught it if he wasn't stoned. But uh, we mentioned uh, Trump was breeding illegal pandas, and he says illegal pandas would be a great name for an Asian punk fusion group that uses traditional Chinese instruments while playing at FurCon. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Beautiful, Mark. Keep traveling to Uganda. Oh, uh, he still has the monkey gland sauce for us to try. Uh, You'll try. I am um, not trying monkey gland sauce. He's going to send it along with some excellent Ugandan coffee, he says. Yeah, you know what? I'll get you that mailing address, Mark, if I get around to it. Uh, let, oh, this this one's for me personally. Joe, you might appreciate this being a golf fan. Just now live on the Golf Channel. That's a real thing, by the way. They show golf all the time. It's wonderful. <laughs> Brandel Shambly is one of the guys on there. He was chatting with his friend and one of the guy's coaches and and. And the coach told him, my rednecks, he's talking about two of his players. My rednecks are going to donkey punch some of these guys. Mm. Randall followed with, well, I don't know what that means, but that sounds like they're tough and ready to go. That's not exactly what it means. Why don't you go ahead and Google it? Wow. Wow. I sincerely hope that those rednecks don't donkey punch the likes of several other pros, at least not on live TV. That would be shocking. It's a coarse sexual term that I was unaware of until it came up on Jeopardy a couple of years ago. Yeah. DDPUG, don't donkey punch unsuspecting golfers. That's Son John. of a bitch. <laughs> uh, Tony T. He's a liberal who frequently brings. What's that, Michael? Oh, okay. He frequently brings uh, critical questions, criticisms, and that sort of thing, but. Always in an intriguing way, and we do not fear dissent here at all. Tony T. says, hey, when are you going to discuss the latest Hannity expose? Interesting. Do you, are you familiar with it? No. I vaguely remember hearing that he... I don't, I don't even know what it is. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Sean Hannity. Did he do something horrendous? I don't know, other than being involved in the Cohen thing? Yeah, slightly. Yeah, I don't know. Does that matter? Michael Cohen represents people. He, he does stuff. He's a, All those people in Manhattan know each other. Isn't that weird? It's one of the biggest cities on earth, and it seems right. like everybody knows everybody, and everybody works with everybody. And runs into each other at the same restaurants and stuff. It's, it is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and finally this. How much time do we have, Michael? Barely any, right? Yeah, I don't have time for this. It's a really interesting uh, trivia note on the tree Old uh, President Moon and Kim Jong Fat Planet. Do you know the backstory of the tree? Nothing about it. It's a huge thing. Yeah, okay. it has to do with what was called the Korean axe murder incident. Okay, I want to hear that. And they did they plant it right there on the line that separates the two countries? It looked like it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, this is going to happen, uh, it would seem. Uh, the president and the little fathead meeting's actually going to happen, and some more details came out over the weekend. Really interesting stuff. Marshall's News on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Kanye West put out a new song over the weekend uh, dealing with his open-minded attitude toward Donald Trump. 
Maybe we can play a little bit of later, as it has gotten a lo- he has gotten a lot of attention in political circles. Because it could be a break in the um, half-century-old hold one party has on one particular group of people. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Um, well, and it, well, we'll continue that discussion a little later. Also, uh, it's crazy how upset people get immediately, knee-jerk, as if it's self-evidently horrific. But yeah. If you're a normal person, you had no idea that the White House press correspondence dinner happened over the weekend. You shouldn't know that that happened. It's, it's, it's all for the people that run the country to slap each other on the back. But this from the Washington Post. Margaret Sullivan wrote this piece over the weekend. For the sake of journalism, stop the annual schmooze fest. It has never been a good idea for journalists to don their fanciest clothes and cozy up to the people they cover. And it needs to end. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree with that, too. And, you know, if if you're in the media and you're concerned about the narrative that you're all a bunch of liberals, uh, year after year, that dinner confirms it loud and clear to a lot of America. Yeah, I'd say, well, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. After traveling through Mexico with great fanfare under the Trump administration's watchful eye, nearly 200 Central American migrants attempting to seek asylum in the United States have arrived at the U.S.-Mexico border. They were stopped in their tracks, though, when the border inspectors said that a crossing facility didn't have enough space to accommodate them, so 50 have been allowed to wait to be interviewed at this point. Now, at his rally in Michigan on Saturday night, Trump was pointing to that caravan. Are you watching that mess that's going on right now with the caravan coming up? Are you watching this? And our laws are so weak. They're so pathetic. The president doubling down on Congress to come up with full funding for that border wall. And if we don't get border security, we'll have no choice. We'll close down the country because we need border security. Trump referring to a government shutdown when the government runs out of money once again in late September. Meanwhile, the president was also telling the crowd. You know, you may have heard I was invited to another event tonight, the White House Correspondents' Dinner. But I'd much rather be in Washington, Michigan, than in Washington, D.C. right now. Trump tweeting about the dinner again this morning. The White House Correspondents' Dinner is dead as we know it. This was a total disaster and an embarrassment to our great country and all that it stands for. Fake news is is alive and well and beautifully represented on Saturday night. He is 100% correct, even the particular uh, comedian's jokes aside. It is an embarrassment to the country and everything that it stands for. And um, and it is dead, because I took in enough of the uh, Sunday talk shows yesterday that left, right, and center, everybody thinks this has got to end. This is just not working for anybody. Well, e- even the association that runs the thing has admitted it's become an embarrassment to the association, which is all about free speech and protecting, you know, journalists' rights and, right. and that sort of thing, which is an admirable thing for them to get together and do. We're talking about the dinner where every year, usually, the they hire a comedian. It's been Seth Meyers. It's been Stephen Colbert. It's been... Don Imus, it's been all kinds of different people's, uh, get up there and tell a bunch of jokes, and then the president usually gets up and tells some jokes, and it's usually really funny, and we've played a tons of clips from George Bush and Barack Obama over the years. Trump didn't go, I think for obvious reasons, there's no way he can go, the press hates him way too much, um, for it to be anything short of just, uh, 
Well, there wouldn't be anything fun about it or collegial about it. It'd turn into one of those really brutal, hard-to-watch Comedy Central roasts. I'm not sure what it would be, but it would be weird and not good. Anyway, they did it without Trump and uh, and and a comedian that went even further down the road of partisanship and hatred. And plus, just the whole... Uh, the whole idea of the press and the people they cover getting together and acting like this is all a big joke has always rubbed me the wrong way. And But, but it's because the way they look at it. That is the yeah. way they look at it. Yeah, maybe we ought to promote it staying around. Yeah. Yeah, comedian Michelle Wolf's controversial routine, which included a number of personal digs at White House advisors, was met with mostly scorn from journalists and guests. One of her targets was Press Secretary Sarah Sanders. Wolf went after her. I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like, she burns facts, and then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye. Like, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's lies. It's probably lies. What? Mika Brzezinski, who hates Donald Trump, went crazy on Twitter over the weekend because of that routine about how awful she thought it was that uh, the comedian was making fun of uh, Sarah Huckabee's uh, appearance in any way. Right. Um... I don't know. Yeah, I, I took in that outrage and then had difficulty finding the actual jokes. I thought, my God. And I checked all the big papers. I thought, wow, this stuff was so scurrilous, so horrible, so unpalatable. Nobody will even print it. Then I finally got to the jokes and I was like, all right, yeah, you are abusing a woman for her looks. Uh, you abuse a I didn't just, even take it that way. It sounds to me like she's abusing her for her. She thinks she's a liar. She's commenting on her look, but that's right. not. It's, it wasn't a critique of her look. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that joke, actually. The one that's standing out as the most awful thing she said, I don't think there's anything wrong with. Well, and that's where I was going. I just thought the whole thing is just you people are so obsessed with yourselves. I don't want the joke, and I don't want the reaction to the joke. Ugh. One last note. But what is the point of having the White House spokesman sit up there next to a comedian who says, you're a liar, you lie all the time? Yeah. What are we getting out of that? What, what is anybody getting out of that? Hopefully less lies in the future. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful thought. It is a beautiful thought. I will point I mean, out that when, when old Jay Carney was up there and, and every other press secretary for Obama, they didn't get that. No, no. Well, it's always, it's, and they lied like crazy. It's incredibly one-sided. Yeah. That's one problem with it. But even if it weren't incredibly one-sided, what are you supposed to do when you're sitting up there and they say, you're a liar, you're an evil person? Are you supposed to laugh along with them? Not laugh at all, and then they call you a sour... I don't understand how you're supposed to handle these situations. Right. And what the point of it is. I, I, I... Well, okay. I think it's dead. I think it's finally, finally over and dead. And the reason it has some significance to me is it is the way the book This Town opened. They opened with the White yeah. House Correspondents' Dinner right. to show this is how effed up the whole thing is. All these people who attend the same parties, their kids go to the same schools, they live in the same neighborhoods, who pretend to be adversaries, Republicans, Democrats, right. and the press. This is this is the real them. This is they all hang out together and laugh, and it's all a big joke on the rest of us. Yep. And it's disgusting, and I'm, I'm hoping it's gone. Which is why we've urged you a thousand times to read that book. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of a nation. And for the love of all that is holy, stop looking to Washington, D.C. to give you a utopia. My God, you're playing into their hands and they're laughing at you. Lefties, righties, ambidextrous, <laughs> laughing at all of us. We can play some more of the jokes if yeah. you want to hear them. 
She was a writer for The Daily Show. I wasn't familiar with her, but that's that's where she came from, which, you know, you got to have pretty good chops to be a writer for The Daily Show. But uh, we'll play you some of the jokes at some point, I suppose. Stay tuned to The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. They were saying, what do you think uh, President Trump had to do with it? I'll tell you what. Like, how about everything? So the question was, uh, Donald Trump said, so I saw where the press is writing on the whole North Korea finally coming to the table. What do you think President Trump had to do with it? How about everything? Even the um, spokesperson for South Korea was asked over the weekend, you know, what, what do you think changed the mind of the North Korean uh, leadership? And uh, and she said, it's all Donald Trump. And several... Uh, that somebody, was not exactly what they expressed on the MSNBC this morning. German spokesman said the same thing. French spokesman said the same thing. It's clearly what happened. Kim actually believed Trump would attack him. Mm. Or, and or the pressure that was put on China to let China know, look, jig is up. Yeah, we're not going. putting up with it anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, I hope you're not suffering from tired mountain syndrome this morning. That is what their test site in North Korea supposedly uh, might be suffering from. Tired Mountain Syndrome. What, what a, who come up with that name? So um, <laughs> so their test site where they set off their bombs under the mountain to test them and it causes earthquakes. Yeah. They set off an H-bomb, of all things, under that mountain. Anyway, Kim vowed, as part of the negotiations last week, we will shut down that testing facility. Now, some experts believe that the mountain already suffers from what they call tired mountain syndrome. That's the actual mm. name of it. Listen, if you want to be thought of as like really smart at cocktail parties and stuff, you got to come up with fancier names for your syndromes. No kidding. I'm tired not... mountain. What am I, eight years old? I this? just stubbed my toe. It really hurts. I call it hurt toe syndrome. I call it ouchy toe. <laughs> yeah, tired mountain syndrome. And that they weren't going to be able to use the mountain anymore anyway. But Kim says, hey, we have two more functioning tunnels in that. Uh, mountain that we could use. I'll let you come look at him. He says inspectors can come to the mountain and check it out and we'll close it down. The only problem is they did the same thing in 2008 where they invited inspectors to their test site and said, see, we're closing it down. And meanwhile, on the other side of the country, they were doing their testing there in Duh. secret. So they've done the exact same thing right? Um, and and tricked us. But he's going to, we'll go and see if they're, if his, if his mountain is suffering from tired mountain syndrome. Well, Take him a nap. Which is a hilarious name. <laughs> I'm told that at this point we feel like we have the full book of North Korean trickery. We have their playbook. We're going to walk in with their playbook and say, All right, none of this. And I don't want to see none of this and certainly none of that. And thereby we will be able to get an agreement that will mean something. I remain skeptical, but we'll see. So uh, to the uh, to the tree that the two leaders planted, this is from uh, Jeff in Hawaii, who's a, a fine fellow. He's an educated man and has never led us astray before, so I'm going to take his word for this stuff. The president of South Korea leads, lives in the Blue House. We have the White House. They have the Blue House. Hmm. Imagine the Blue House doesn't show the dirt quite as much. Kind of an odd color for a house. I see lots of White Houses. I don't see that many Blue Houses. Shouldn't we have some brick? Brick on the White House, it signifies strength. The brick house. Now, that would be, you know, a symbol. 
It's a brick. Yep. Uh, Angie, the planting of the tree last week in Panmunjom has special significance, especially to President Moon. In 1976, two American Army officers led a team of U.S. and South Korean soldiers to trim a tall tree that was blocking the view from a command post. A group of North Korean soldiers asked them to stop. This has got to be in the DMZ, right? And when they did not, they attacked and killed the two U.S. officers with the axes that they were using to trim the tree. Wow. Axe murder. Three days later, United Nations Command responded with a show of four 16 military engineers and a large security force backed by attack helicopters and fighter jets to chop down the tree. President Moon Jae-in was part of that security force. This is known as the Korean axe murder incident. By the way, Dr. Jeff, if all this is made up, you're hilarious. Because <laughs> you got me to read it on the air. But it sounds legit. After this incident, the Panmunjom area was divided in half, and the low wall, actually a curb, was constructed to divide the opposing soldiers. That low wall was the one you saw President Moon Jae-in and Kim Jong-un stepping over. I remember that. Actually, I remember thinking at the time, you know, the fat boy moves well for a big man. He's course, young. He's very young. Yeah. That's Jeff in Hawaii. Um, uh, Thank that, you, Jeff. Two things. If that's true, um, how did none of the media have that story when they mentioned they planted a tree? Because they're bad at their jobs. Uh, and uh, two, I know less about the Korean War than any major conflict the United States has ever been involved in. That's a blank spot for me. Maybe I should read a book or something. And I think most Americans do for whatever reason. They call it the Forgotten War. I'm not inventing this idea um, that... We've paid less attention to that than than any of our other conflicts. Tons of of uh, books and movies and documentaries about Vietnam and obviously World War One, World War Two, the Forgotten War. War yeah, they call it. Sure. You ever read about the Korean War, no, man? It was a I, mother hunger. I know less I mean, about that was, than anything. Yeah, it was brutal. There are many, many thousands of Americans who fought bravely in incredibly bad conditions for a very long time and were injured and died or, or whatever um came back with the scars of war and it was a brutal war well that was our first a lot of it was fought in bitter bitter winter conditions that was our first get involved in a war that doesn't have a satisfying outcome war that we have decided is the way we do all wars right and um, I think that's part of the reason part of it is that it was the same people that fought in World War two to a great extent. And um, yeah, it, it was it was it was new territory for the United States. Get involved in unsatisfying conflicts that we're not even we're not. Some people think it was a good idea. Some people don't. Just to halt the advance of the commies. Never exactly ended. So, you know, right. so then we do right. it over and over again, including now in Afghanistan, where there were two horrifying suicide attacks this morning. Yet we're still there trying to accomplish something. So, try to halt the uh, the Islamists. Okay, halt their march across the continent. Tired mountain syndrome. Seriously? We, we can't have them taking over Afghanistan, because that would lead to uh, stuff. Uh, the Korean axe murder incident is legit, Jack. I have researched it carefully over the last 90 seconds, and indeed, it happened. Uh, Operation Paul Bunyan was the uh, cutting down of the tree, ultimately. Jack, it was a poplar tree. Maybe they should have tried to cut down an unpopular tree. Uh-huh. Ah, hi, I'm the White House Correspondents' Dinner. <laughs> Boo! Uh, coming up, we're going to talk to somebody who is involved in uh, cold cases. Paul Holes is his name, and uh, and knows something about the 
the catching of and um, looking for serial killer that had been looked for all across the United States for decades. Yeah, Paul is uh, just retired as an investigator and uh, knows a lot about using DNA and genealogy sites in criminal investigations. This, We're going to talk about how it works and what the ethics of it are, because yeah. I think a lot of us are a little uncomfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though we are overjoyed that a horrific monster was finally you know, brought to justice. Saw a lot of articles over the weekend. Well, let's slow down a little on this whole genealogy thing and decide what we want to do with this. Right. Before we go too far. Did you see the guy rolled in the court, scumbag? No. What have we decided we want to call this guy? Somebody yeah. said we ought to call him the Tiny D Killer, since we found out that's part of his thing. But. You know, I was going to talk about that a little bit later on, but... Um, it's a little cutesy. Well, yeah. You know, he'll... For the Sacramento area, he will always be the East Area Rapist, because that was an actual historical change for a region, mm-hmm. the horror of that. Then, you know, as he started killing people, it took a long time to tie together. So I don't know what to call him. The, the rapey killer who was just caught. Did you see him rolling into court, though? No. Yeah. He just... A lot of cameras. Tremendous amount of press already as they rolled him up there and told him what he was going to be charged with and everything. And he just sat there with his mouth open, kind of staring straight ahead like he's out of it, which he might be out of it. Well, yeah, but he was standing up in his garage when they arrested him. Yeah. So all of a sudden now he's like Bill Cosby. He's pathetic and he's probably going to be blind next. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, we're going to learn more about that coming up. And some things that came out over the weekend from... Uh, His relationship with his wife know a lot more about. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.